What AFC sleeper tight end just became more affordable in drafts? Who's the pass catcher to target, if any, for Josh Allen in Buffalo? And what NFC West team's offense just got great news as training camp is only a dump-off pass away? Plus, former Football Guys League champ in 2019 Pros versus Joe's drafter Rich Lane drops by to talk about his draft this year, getting ready for his Pros versus Joe's draft, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Everybody, if you've got what it takes, because I'm KRS and I'm on the mic and premieres on the break. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Salutations, all of you Balkaholics, Anger, Zach, and Addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm, of course, uh, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is indeed the patron saint of fantasy football. It is the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. And Dave, i got to tell you, just so you're aware, that thing in front of you is a microphone. You want to project your voice into that. And we're going to do a fantasy football show tonight. This is something you used to do many moons ago. And uh, I just want to give you the official welcome back after several weeks off. Well, I hope it's like riding a bike, Balky. I'm, I'm glad to be back. My voice is it's recovered. You know, I'm really, Are you refreshed? Yeah, I feel great. You know, and, and the thing we should bring this up, you weren't even, it wasn't even like vacation for you when you were gone. You were actually doing work um, the last, three, the last three weeks. I mean, a little bit of vacation, but mostly you were doing work. Yeah, the fantasy sports gaming association <laughs> so stupid. they renamed it from the fantasy All right. trade association to sports and gaming right so we were at that trade show yeah at that trade show with alex the same nerd herd as always is there and it was fine um didn't really learn a lot okay yeah. Yeah, typical explored some some uh, scenery in boston i know you did that that yeah. was fun yeah, right was pretty cool yeah it was a good time and then uh, out in vegas with the kffsc commish farrell elliott a couple of weeks ago for uh, a different trade show of sorts Oh, that was just great to hang out. Okay, there you the, go. The crap table show was outstanding. I can imagine that everybody there learned a thing or three from Farrell. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to give you some advice on how we would handle the Melvin Gordon and other Chargers running backs and drafts, or the Melvin Gordon situation, excuse me, what Broncos tight ends to focus on in leagues this year and more, plus Rich Lane spills the beans on his 2019 pros versus Joe strategy, why he's still on board with Philip Lindsay, and much, much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFO or at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak, Facebook.com slash HSFFO or 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA, football at gmail.com. Producer mutual friend Rob, audio engineer Bryce, getting those questions, tweets, and emails to us coming up in the second half of the show in Fantasy Feedback. Dynasty startups forming at MyFFPC.com, including some tomorrow and Thursday. Best ball, super flex, and double ups all available at MyFFPC.com. And, of course, the big one, main event early draft slot announcement is coming on July 29th. That is only 17 days away. And if you have your main event team paid in full by the 22nd, which is 10 days away, you're going to find out where you're drafting in the $500,000 grand prize, the $3.1 million FFPC main event this year. You'll start to be able to prep that the end of July this year. Uh, so make sure you get those squared away uh, so you can start your domination in 2019. Half a million bucks. Half a million. That's a lot of money. It is not cheap. The cap is 2,400 teams. But I, I, don't, I probably don't think we're going to sell out. Plus, if we we two, have more than 40 teams signed up right now. Right. If we had 2,000 or 2,100, 2,100 teams. Right. I mean, you know, that's 2,100 to one. So, I mean, that really is life-changing money. 2,000 yeah. is a lot. Is that what you think you're going to get? 2,100 teams? 
Yeah. If I had to guess, that's kind of where I would guess. It was eighteen hundred last year. Yeah, eighteen hundred okay. last All year. Right. So I mean. We didn't really think we quite hit 2,400, but we actually put a cap that we felt was realistic. But, Isn't yeah. it almost uh, like not just a $500,000 grand prize? It's like another almost million dollars in the prize pool, right? Oh uh, yeah, I mean it is partially due to league prizes, and right? Leagues, yeah. So it is a lot. There's a lot more. Right. Okay. Well, listen, we're gonna get into uh, into the uh, main event, the pros versus Joes, and much more with our guest, who I want to introduce right now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he has been playing fantasy football for nearly three decades, including as an FFPC vet for six years now, using data and real money best ball leagues to aid in his research. He made the playoffs in nine of his 10 leagues last year. He won two. He was the runner-up in four. Please welcome an FFPC player defending the Joe's honor this year, coming off a couple of wins in the Football Guys Players Championship in his leagues, and uh, he's going to defend the honor in the FFPC Pros versus Joe's Challenge. It's Rich Lane. Rich, welcome to the show, buddy. Good evening, Eric and Dave. How are you doing? We're doing well. Right. We're we're excited. You are uh, now. You, I think, are drafting. If I'm if I'm remembering correctly, you are in the first pros versus Joe's draft, which is just nine days away. So you're already in. In I know you're you're not in the thick of your prep right now, but I, I think uh, I think yeah, I'm sure he's writing a novel. I think there's there's certain things that are starting <laughs> to ruminate in your mind. The, the information is marinating, and you're getting ready to show off your chops in in nine days, right? Uh, yes, I hope so. Unfortunately, I'm the first first draft, so I won't be learning anything from the others. But uh, preparation is uh, is is going to happen this weekend for sure. And I've already uh, taken taken part in one best ball just to just to learn a, a little of what's going on this year. No, that's perfect. Nice. That's that's awesome. And uh, you listen, you're going to set the standard. You're going to set the ADP this year since you're in the first draft. So we'll all be looking to you and your 11 cohorts. Before we get into fantasy football, Rich, can you let us know what you're doing for a living when you're not winning all these FFPC leagues? Well, my primary role is in data management. So I always say that's that's a similar type of thing, figuring out what data is important, where's the best source to get the data, and how to best use it. So I'm I guess I'm doing the same during the day as I am when I sit down and play fantasy football. And once, once again, Dave, somebody exploiting their day job for personal gain and trying to win all this cash in uh, fantasy football, and that's been working out. Well, it worked out for you last year, Rich. Nine out of ten leagues, you make the playoffs, you win two of them, runner-up in four. That is a pretty good ratio. So certainly uh, your day job is paying dividends. Wouldn't you agree, Dave? I would agree that his day job is paying dividends. Maybe, <laughs> there you go. Maybe he hijacks a supercomputer at night to you know, run, run, little, <laughs> right. run little simulations. We, we don't need to get into that, but yes. Rich, are you stealing time at work? Uh, well, I'm sure everyone, everyone steals time at work for fantasy, so let's not even ask that question. Um, Rich, I will ask you this. So let's, you've completed one draft this summer in preparation for Pros versus Joes. So when you generally approach the 28-round drafts, how concerned are you with roster construction? Um, do you, are you looking more for the best player available? Do you do a... I'm going to ask you this. It's kind of a multi-part question. Do you take three quarterbacks, three defenses, three kickers, three tight ends, or four tight ends, or some sort of – do you have a cardinal rule for those types of things? So I, I, I wasn't successful at best ball, and then I started looking at the teams that were, and I realized that they were constructing their rosters differently to me. So, yes, that's become a much more uh, focused area for me and, and the, I would say, a different strategy to the tournaments they're playing. So um, – I am looking to get three solid tight ends if I can, um, eight wide receivers, seven running backs, and three or four tight ends, certainly at least two two defenses and at least two kickers in there as well. But I think the main thing, you know, is to start off with solid players that you know are going to consistently um, produce every week, and especially at the top, at the uh, tight end and running back positions. That's, the, uh, that's how I start off um, putting together a best ball team now certainly the meat and the potatoes of the uh of the draft getting those backs receivers and to a certain extent the tight ends as well and making sure the bye weeks line up no question that goes into it uh let's get into a couple of the players uh that you had had selected in your first ffpc best ball earlier this season I think that there's, you know, especially if you go on, on Twitter or, or talk to any high-stakes players, there's a lot of FFPC players that are down on Philip Lindsay this year, given that they don't expect an undrafted rookie to do what he did in 2018 again this season, and, of course, coming off that serious wrist injury. Why did you get on board with him at the 406 of this best ball, Rich? Well, I, I should also preface it by saying that when I drafted this best ball, my main main aim was to learn from the draft, so... There was there were players who were available at certain times in the draft, especially my sleepers for the year, who I didn't take intentionally, so I could figure out where were they going to go 
in the draft. So um, it certainly was more prepare, preparing for the pros v. Joe's drafts and the other drafts than it was putting together my strongest lineup. But having said that, I also didn't want to throw away money. So I was taking a player who, who I thought would be a, a good asset to the team. And, and Philip Lindsay was still there at the 20th running back position off the board. So um, I, although he's the, you can say that Joe Flacco is going to be a, a downgrade for him at quarterback and he's coming off the wrist injury, the, the wrist injury for me is, is less troublesome than a lower leg injury would be. And I still think off the 20th running back off the board, I think he's got uh, good value and, and he'll be a solid performer there because he's able to catch the ball and, and, and run. And even though he was a surprise last year, that was his rookie year. So I'm presuming he's going to be better this year as, as a player. It's just what's the supporting cast around him going to look like. And the other aspect that comes in, into it uh, for me is who's, who's his backup or who's the other alternative in the backfield. And I'm not a big fan of Royce Freeman. So I think um, he has, he has he's the talent in the backfield, and I think he'll be getting most of the ball. Philip Lindsay currently going as RB24 uh, at the 411 and FFPC best ball drafts, going right after uh, Kenyon Drake, Sony Michelle, David Montgomery, going right before Mark Ingram, James White, and Tariq Cohen. And conversely, Royce Freeman is actually not going until the 802, so he's still quite a ways down there. Uh, so as much as I say that there's FFPC players, Dave, high-stakes players that are down on Lindsay, there's certainly many more of them that are drafting him in the fourth round and still letting Royce Freeman slip to the eighth round. Yes, we've just had this discussion before. It's interesting because it is a wrist injury, but it is, a, like they say, a serious wrist injury, and he's still not really pra- – he, he's not practicing really. He's been held out. Not yet, no. But, I mean, like, you know, I'm sure he's able to – well, I don't know if he can do squats or not, but I'm sure he can do leg presses and all those things, and he can run and do sprints and all those things, and I'm sure he's in really good shape. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm kind of back and forth on Lindsay. I can I could see him being really successful. Um, I could see him – struggling to succeed just you know if, if the coaching staff wants to really get Freeman the ball more of a timeshare situation I guess we'll I don't know, we'll have to see what they're they haven't really been saying too much about it I mean other than giving Freeman an opportunity I think no and and I think at this point there's there's no reason for them to rush him uh here in July I mean we'll see what happens in training camp um the reports I'm hearing is is that he is not going to be ready for the start of training camp which I guess is kind of a red flag but all the the lip service that's been paid has been look, we're, we're treating him with – there's no reason for us to rush him. There's no reason for him to get out there right now. So I think that, you know, they're just being extra cautious with it. And the other thing to keep in mind with Lindsay too, you're getting a Pro Bowl running back at the end of the fourth round. The regression is sort of baked in a little bit at that point, unless he really falls off or, right. or if Royce Freeman really takes over. That's very true. Go ahead, Dave. And, no, and that, mean, goes, that Richie, comes back think? a little bit to the – Yeah, go ahead, Rich. Yeah, I think it comes back a little bit to the roster construction as well. Um, but that spot, I was looking for a second running back, and I wanted one that was going to be the, the starter and, and a solid and a solid running back. And I was hoping to get three strong running backs early. So that was my second guy off the board. In the next round, I took I took my third running back in in Sony Michelle. And at that point, I figured I had you know three running backs who could who could start hopefully most games. And if Lindsay is on the on the sideline for a couple of games, then I've got the two other guys to play. So let me ask you this real quick, Rich. I mean, so, I don't maybe you mentioned it, and I just missed it, but did you have uh, Lindsay at all last year? Did you pick him up off waivers and and got the uh, the enjoyment of having Philip Lindsay on your team? I I didn't teams, have him anywhere last year. Yeah, I didn't I didn't take him anywhere yeah. last year. He was uh, um, he was the bids for him were higher than the bid I made, and uh, I then watched him continue to play as well as he started, and it was. It was interesting to watch an undrafted uh, rookie play as well as he did. And, and that was, you know, I wasn't convinced to, um, enough to, to put up the big bucks that people did in the blind draft to pick him. It's, it's interesting just because I feel like a lot of times I, I, would, I would have hazarded to guess that you would have owned him because you're like, oh, I had Lindsay was great. But actually, maybe you just had Lindsay envy that That's you didn't the FOMO. Him. Fear yeah. of missing out. Now, now you yeah. got him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That is, you know, people, you know, fear things more than, well, whatever. We don't need to get into psychology. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's get into the psychological let's aspect. Let's not get into though. psychology. <laughs> you know, Rich is not a psychologist or psychiatrist, uh, you know, neither. This is not. a heavy data-driven show tonight with Rich, <laughs> with Rich laying on. That's Rich, are you going to be hypnotized over the, over the phone lines here? Can we hypnotize you? All right, maybe you, not. You can try. But... So, 
We are not trying that. We're going to be having our listeners with boredom. But, um, <laughs> anyway, Rich, uh, so let's ask you about the Cleveland Browns. I mean, you know, usually we ask questions about teams that really suck, and the Browns were always one of them. But finally, they have a lot of good players. So they have Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Uh, they have a great ground, ground game with Nick Chubb. Uh, you drafted David Njoku as tight end number nine. Uh, so, you know, he's competing with these guys for whether it's targets or the ball, more or less. Uh, but he, this, it is his third year, and he was super young coming out. What do you think about Njoku uh, going forward this year? Yeah, I think Cleveland is, is the story of this year. They're going to be much better. It's going to be a really interesting uh, season to see how how far they go and how, how well they perform, especially with all the additions they have. But um, ultimately, when I was looking at that at that slot, and um, Njoku is uh, – he had a good – as you say, he's a, he's a third-year tight end, and tight ends take a bit longer to progress. So I'm looking at him in, as a third-year tight end along with, um, obviously, there's Kittle, who's a, who's a special case, but there's O.J. Howard, and there's Engram, and there's him as third-year running back, as a third-year tight end. And I just think he's going to step up this year, improve some more. He's going to get more opportunities down in the red zone because they're going to be down there more often. And with Chubb breaking off big runs and with the wide receivers breaking off uh, big catches, they're going to get down in the in the red zone, and I think he's going to have more opportunities. So last year he had four touchdowns. I'm looking at him being somewhere between six and eight touchdowns, 60 to 65 catches and 700, 700 yards, and, and that's sort of the – I think that's a low floor for him, and that would put him in the in the tight end six to – comfortably in the tight end six to eight range. And uh, comparing him to O.J. Howard and Engram, the two other – um, third-year tight ends to, who who are picked in in a similar type of range. O.J. Howard went two two rounds earlier, and he's now got um, Arians coaching. And he, Arians has never been a fan of tight ends, or or never um, featured his tight ends in the game. So that was that was one factor just com- comparing the three players. And then Evan Ingram, he's lost Odell Beckham, so he's going to have more responsibility to move the ball down the field. But I'm I'm not convinced that he's going to be um, progressing greatly on his on his stats for this year i'm a little down on oj howard as well simply for that arians point that 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 you brought to the table here rich i know lance turvis uh at sport betting man on on twitter has has brought that up before too he, in fact i think he tweeted out um this was probably a couple of weeks ago now but the targets for the starting tight end in the bruce arians offenses and let's just say they were less than uh thrilling uh very underwhelming and i wonder if that continues this year uh, with, with Mike Edmonds and Chris Godwin expected to soak up a lot of targets there. We shall see. I feel like I might miss the boat on O.J. Howard, and I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. You know, what's funny is I actually own O.J. Howard in a couple of dynasty leagues, and I haven't been able to trade him. So I guess I will enjoy a breakout season uh, indirectly if he has one this year, but uh, I, I'm not holding my breath. Rich, you should taunt people with them. What? With, with, yeah, if when Howard blows up? Yeah, yeah, I think you need to taunt. Rich, do you believe in taunting people? When they won't trade with you in you know in a league and then and then your player blows up, are you are you collapsless like we are? Well, I I like I, I like I like teasing people for sure. Yeah, I like I like and you've got so to enjoy class, the game. He does it in a classy way. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, classy with people, an English accent as well. Classy people. Yeah, <laughs> classy people tease Dave. Uh, like class less people like us, we taunt. That's that's a, that's tonight. I like yeah, that. Yeah, that's we're gonna start, I'm gonna start teasing more. Three-time Football Guys Players Championship League winner and 2019 Pros versus Joe's drafter Rich Lane joining us here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight. Dave, oftentimes on this show, we, we get into a lot of analysis on the early round picks, but sometimes people expect us to go a little bit deeper on this show. So we're going to do that with Rich, and I believe you have a question about some late-round receivers here that he actually selected in one of his drafts already. All right, so here we are. We're talking, this is a 23rd and 24th round, just pretty late. You know, some people have put it on auto-draft. Other people are passed out, depending on what they were doing. Other people are winning the league. And you are winning the league, and you uh, threw a couple of darts at John Ross and Josh Doxton. So do you want, can you talk to us a little bit about uh, why those guys might actually end up starting for you at certain points, possibly during the season? Yeah, well, down, down there I'm looking for, obviously this is best ball. So you're, so you're looking for a, a couple of guys will pop up for a couple of weeks and have really big games, and so they were the, that was the profile I was looking for down there. And and in the same sort of range, somebody like Ted Ginn who can do the same thing, he was going as well. But I was looking at, at, at John Ross. He's got speed, and and you know he's he's often injured, but when he's not, and and when he has that big game, he gets he gets a good number of points on the board. And then 
then Dotson, he's a case where he was leading receiver for Washington um, last year. And I think, you know, they're going to have a stronger quarterback this year because they had so many problems there last year. So in theory, he could have more catches. And he had a couple of of good games last year where he put up some good statistics and and would would be a useful asset in a a best ball team. So he, he, I thought, was um, actually, I think he's more valuable of the two. And part of that as well goes back to who else is he competing for catches with? And, and I think um, Richardson is is, all, is often talked about as, as being a, a up-and-coming youngster, but I, I haven't seen it on, on the field yet. So I still think Dodson's going to see a lot of targets and uh, he's going to have chances to put up one or two big games. And, that, and frankly, in the 23rd, 24th round, that's what I was looking for from a couple of wide receivers. So going back to the... Uh, to the strategy as to how many players you're, you're looking to pick at each position. They were my seventh and eighth wide receivers, and, and that's the goal at that point, is to get a couple of guys who can throw in a couple of big weeks, and probably, hopefully it's on a bye week for one of the other guys, and, and it works out. Yeah, and, and I think the Washington offense is one that we don't necessarily talk about on this show because it's not very exciting. But if you read between the lines a little bit, you're going to have a an inex, probably an inexperienced rookie in there. Uh, I would assume Washington is going to be down, and we've seen a lot of these NFC East shootouts in the past. So when you consider the draft capital that you're investing in guys like Jordan Reed, Josh Doxson, or whomever in, in Washington. Trey Quinn. Trey Quinn. The, the secret hyper guy that the people hype up. Yeah, well, I mean, but to – Trey Quinn. Right. I mean, well, okay. So to that end, Trey Quinn is going late. Jordan Reed is going late for tight end. Josh Doxson's going late. Maybe there's something there if 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 Haskins has to sling the rock late. I mean, it, and that's something to that that I think we haven't talked about a lot on this show because it's not number one. It's not exciting. It's the Redskins, so we really don't care about their offense that much. We're gonna get in. I think well, we have. I think we have some news on Darius Geis coming up later on in the show. Right. But it's it's plays to this, look, the passing game is going to be very important with Jay Gruden, again, a guy who loves to pass the ball. Well, you know, what I heard, when, when I first heard about this Trey Quinn guy, I'm, I'm like, all right, he's the slot receiver for Washington, he's supposed to be awesome. I'm like, Trey Quinn, and they don't even call him by, they don't even have a last name for him, they just call him by his first name, Trey Quinn. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute, and I looked at I Googled him, he's a white guy. I'm like, yeah. his name isn't Trey Quinn something, yeah. it's Trey Quinn, a white slot receiver, so I just didn't know. Do you know what college he went to, Dave? <laughs> um, no, Colorado State. He went to SMU. Oh, SMU. At the same time that the Broncos' alleged number one receiver it was Portland playing Sutton? on the opposite side of him. Yeah, oh, it was Sutton and, and Quinn. Have you ever looked at the stats betwixt the two? Sutton had some pretty good numbers, but yeah. Quinn caught a lot of passes there too. Sure. So, and, and I think with, I mean, again, he's free right now. When we talk about Redskins receivers, Trey Quinn. Uh, FFPC players not drafting him until the middle of the 22nd round. This is Ted Ginn, A.J. Brown, Randall Cobb, David Moore territory. So there's there's certainly a lot of upside in drafting him there. All right, Rivet, nice. let's get into this uh, pros versus Joes uh, an analysis here. Nine days away from pros versus Joes. No pain, league number one. Broadcast right here on July 21st. If Now, this is interesting because uh, – this is, a, this is a guy who's been in the news within the last roughly 36, 48 hours. But if the guy you took at 107 in your best ball is available, that would be Melvin Gordon. Are you taking him again at eight here, or has this news of a potential holdout uh, scared you off him where you wouldn't draft him in the first round anymore? Yeah, as I said, I'm looking for somebody who's going to be a solid, reliable um, performer, especially in the first round. Ideally, Ideally, I'm going to target a, a running back there because I think there's more opportunity to get um, solid wide receivers and, and, as I say, pick up some surprise weeks from wide receivers lower down. So um, Melvin Gordon doesn't fall into that into that category now if he's going to hold out. So um, certainly I'm not going to be taking him. Um, would I be um, targeting Eckler? Yeah, I'd be targeting Eckler later in later in the in the game because. Um, you know, he may have extra value, and he, he may, if there's a, a holdout for a few weeks, he's going to be the starting guy, and he still catches the ball, so he still has value even even when he's the backup again. Yeah, good stuff there, and, and I think that is something that we overlook. Yeah, while we might be dropping Melvin Gordon on our boards, conversely, we have to be upping Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, too. And, and Jackson actually is a guy I've commissioned a couple of drafts 
over the last few days. He is rising uh, in uh, in football guys leagues in FFPC best ball. This isn't going to be totally accurate because this is uh, by the way fantasymojo.com is, is where I get this ADP data for FFPC best ball leagues. But when what you a, what a good subscription nine ninety five super cheap you should definitely subscribe absolutely. Uh, now, over the last seven days, Justin Jackson is going in the mid-20th. However, he has gone as high as the mid-13th, which I think is more realistic now until we get some more clarity on this Melvin Gordon situation. I, I think that's what you're looking at for Justin Jackson. Um, Dave, uh, <laughs> this, is, this next question that you're going to ask um, Rich here, I, I feel like it's, we've had fatigue on these two players because we've talked about – I thought you were going to say this type of question. No, no, no. Well, same thing, yeah. <laughs> Um, this is like we've we've had some girly hill fatigue, but I think it's I love the I, fact that I we think it's getting uh, interesting again. Right, and and then I, and just the fact that we can probe so many great high stakes players on this show, um, I I think we we have to take full advantage. So go ahead and ask Rich. All right, here it is, Rich. Very big, important question. Two polarizing players right now in fantasy are Todd Gurley, and who looks like he could you know, I. Not to tout my own, to my own horn, but I mean, I kind of said that there was not a whole ton of evidence on Tyreek Hill that there's a chance he might. Totally regretting not be, accepting be, that. Be kind of innocent, but and what could be innocent, Tyreek Hill, not you know 100% innocent, but not, not the double that they made him out to be. Anyway, so would you draft either of them where they are going right now? And the question is, where are they going right now? Right. So let's get some. Would you like? Would, yeah. I've seen Gurley going in the early second to to like. 19th or 20th. Dave, I would say this, still on average mid-second, but he has re-entered the first round. up a little bit yes. sometimes. Okay. He's, he's going, I've seen him go at the end of the first round. Uh, 110 over the last seven days is the highest he's gone. Yeah. Tyreek Hill is another guy who's crept up. Now not he's, that much, though. Really. Well, no, no, because he was slipping fifth, sixth round before. Now he's going in the mid-fourth. He's gone as high as the 302 in the last uh, week in, in FFPC. Well, I have an opinion on that, but let's hear from Rich. Yeah, go ahead, Rich. Talk, uh, talk a little bit about your thoughts on, on Gurley and Hill and, and their current ADPs. So Hill, Hill is – Hill, I'm, you know, I think he's a fantastic player. And, and he's, he's helped win me some of those, some of those uh, tournaments that I've won recently by getting him a, a value at the start of the third round um, in a couple of, a couple of leagues um, last year, for example. So – um, Hill, I'm high on, but in best ball, I'm not going to take that risk. If, if you're without a player who you drafted in the second, third round for uh, several games, that's that's going to hurt, and I'm not going to take him in best ball. In a tournament game, then I'm looking to to win in the playoffs, playoffs, and I'm looking to win the tournament. So, if he's going to be back for that, then I'm more likely to to roll the dice if I'm going to get value. And I'll say get value in the in the fourth round is where I'd see beginning to get value with somebody like Hill. So that is, again, strategy difference between best ball and tournament play. Um, Gurley, again, is, he's, regardless of whether he comes back healthy, I think they're going to limit the workload for him, and he's always carrying the risk of, of injuring those knees again and, and ended back, back on the sideline. So uh, he's, you can't ignore the talent, so you, so you have to think um, about taking him in, in late second round. Before that, it's... Uh, for me, it'd be too too expensive to to take him in the in the first round or early second round. So if he if he drops in the second round, as I I've seen he he has done in one or two drafts, then um, I'd I'd certainly be interested in the, in him there. More in again more in tournament play rather than best ball, but um, um, I'd be more interested in Gurley than I would Hill. Yeah, and a couple of things there. Number one is, I think you're right. We can look at, you know, he was just, wasn't Gurley just interviewed on NFL Network, Dave? Uh, I think uh, the prognosticator is actually talking about this, um, that uh, the body language that um, the, the analyst said that Gurley was exhibiting, they think nothing's wrong with his knee, that, that well, I mean, nothing significant's wrong with his he, knee. Was he walking around with I don't know, but I didn't see the interview, but... <laughs> That, but that is the case. Like, we can hear all this positive stuff in the preseason, and then all of a sudden he just tweaks it in the game, and boom, now he's out a month and a half. Or, or maybe the Rams are in the thick of it, and they start crushing it in that division. Now there's no sense in bringing Gurley back in December if you want to save him for the playoffs, and then it's, you know, the Daryl Henderson show. So I think there's something to be said for that. Like, we can hear all this positive stuff, but all it takes is one tweak, and he could miss multiple games. So I think that's interesting. And also what's interesting is now that Gurley's rising up, now that Tyreek Hill's rising up, 
What about these people that drafted early that cashed in on that? Because they, they, they might have formed some pretty good teams right now. That's true. Or people who are, are just getting on that wave, riding that wave now of, of these guys get it, getting, um, moving up on the ADP, you can still get some good value on them, given that Gurley's still going at the end of the second, given that Tyreek Hill's still going in the fourth. There's still some value there. Yeah. And, and, and I'll be looking very forward to seeing how these guys go in pros versus Joes as well, no question. Rich, did you have something to yeah, add? And I think, I think, yeah, I think another interesting point there is, again, talking about sort of the Cleveland situation with people rising up the board and what's happening with, with other players and what's happening with backups. Um, the Tyreek Hill situation is interesting. That Patrick Mahomes is going extremely high for me in in drafts at the moment, and he's he's a fantastic quarterback. I have no doubt he'll be the top quarterback. But without Hill, what does that do to his value? And and he's going in the third round. That seems like a very rich price to pay with for somebody who may be without their top receiver. Uh, well, I want to go ahead, Dave. I mean, I I think Tyreek Hill is an absolute insane steal at the point of where he's going right now. Yeah. I think he should be drafted. If he was not getting suspended at all, right? I feel like you were saying this exact thing two years ago. Probably. Because you were, you were all on, in on him then for, diff, for like, and you were saying he's a steal for a different reason. Yeah, because he's going in the ninth round, and right. all, all the pundits thought, oh, this guy, he was a fluke. As a, you know, he's a fluke. Oh, he's not that good. And we traded, we, everywhere we could, we traded for him in Dynasty Leagues. We drafted him and redrafted him and did, did really well. I feel like you're getting another shot at, at, the, at the, I don't know, the, the cup of God or whatever you yeah. call it in that this guy would be a top 10 pick overall, right? Right. If he was not suspended, had no issues whatsoever. He's likely to get suspended a max of four games and possibly only two, and there's a slim chance of zero or whatever. So let's just say it's four games. It's in, in almost any format, that's still a, a pretty big yeah. discount. I mean, it's nice. When you're talking about a top, top wide receiver, I think he should be going around the, like the 212, 301 spot is where I think his actual true, you know, should be drafted spot is. And I would remind, whatever, back when we won uh, that one other contest in 2008, part of the reason we did well is we drafted Steve Smith when he had a two-game yeah. suspension and Brandon Marshall when he had a one-game suspension or vice versa, whatever it was. And we got value on those two players because they were falling too far. I just feel like, especially like you said, Rich, in national tournaments, you cannot sleep on Tyreek Hill. You've got to take him. If you get him anywhere after the 301, you're, you're, you're minting money. You're doing well. Yeah, absolutely. I, there's no question, and, and I think the longer we go with no news on this, Dave, and, and this goes for Gurley to a certain extent as well, but more so for Hill, the longer we go with no news, the higher Tyreek Hill, the higher Todd Gurley rise in ADP. We will keep our eyes on that. Pros versus shows is going to be a great barometer or thermometer? Barometer yeah, for that now, as yeah, we, uh, now, we cover now those. Now I've got a- I said, now we're going to tease you because I, you, you don't know I was in a draft just before this show, and I, I got him with the fifth pick yeah. of the fourth round. With there the you go. Play, oh, beautiful. Now, six, 16th overall, overall wide receiver. That, that's tremendous value there. And, again, it's a tournament, it's a tournament um, game, so I, I got cover for, for the third wide receiver. But, um, you know, I'm happy to have him there if he gets suspended eight games. I'm just looking to get in the playoffs and have him for the playoffs and the, and, and the hopefully the championship. Yeah, exactly. I think there's no shot. I mean, I really think there's like no shot of eight games. Yeah. I mean, well, and then did you, I, what I didn't understand, did you see that they re-released this audio of like the full yeah, the version full of it? Where it wasn't why wasn't that like why did why wasn't the full version released immediately? I, I don't understand why the doctored not the dot dot but the edited version, the the, the Cliff well, Notes version. Just in case you know don't know this, Balky, sometimes there's news out there. No, I don't want to get into that. Sorry. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, well, I want to uh, listen, uh, Rich, you, you've been very gracious. I do want to squeeze in one email here from a listener. Uh, Mike in Texas City, you guessed it, Texas, writes, what's up, Rich? With Gronk no longer catching balls for Brady, for now, who is the guy you want there? Edelman, uh, Harry, Gordon, Watson, or someone else? Thanks for the email, Mike in Texas City, Texas. Do you have any feelings on, on the, the goal? I mean, is it Edelman, or do you like the draft ca- uh, value of, of somebody like Ben Watson or Nikhil Harry or, or even Josh Gordon a little bit better in New England, Rich? I've, I've, been, I've been a huge Edelman fan for years, and I've always liked the volume that, that he catches, and I've, he's helped me win championships. He's, he's one of the most frequently drafted players I've had over the last two or three years, even, even though I've been hurt by, by injuries. Um, and again, last year he was suspended at the start of the year, but um, um, I, I got him at, at a very good spot where I got value, and he, and he helped me. So Edelman is, is the guy I'd be looking at. Obviously, um, I think I think the, the running backs also 
also benefit from from that. Um, and Josh Gordon, he's a, he's a guy who I just he's one of the guys who I can never draft. Two years ago, I took him in the last last round as a, as a flyer, thinking he would never play. Um, but I got him in the last round. So then last year, when he was going in the fifth or sixth round, I was shocked by that that he hadn't changed as a person, presumably. Um, but he was going a, a, an outrageous an outrageous spot, in my opinion. And um, again, I just if he stays on the field, he's a fantastic talent. And, and maybe Brady can keep him on the field, and maybe the the league will, will let him back in because I don't know if he's been cleared to play yet. But and you can you can let me know. But uh, he isn't somebody who I'd be drafting, Josh Gordon. All right, here's a bonus question for you. Speaking of uh, Brady and Patriots and so forth. So 25th round, you've gotten kind of screwed over on the tight ends and the pros versus Joes. Here Rob, we go. Rob, Rob Gronkowski's sitting out there for you. Are you taking him in the late 25th round? Um, he's uh, again. He's he's that's a case where it's risk reward, and and even if he doesn't play in a best ball, you can hold on to him, and you're probably not getting many points from that slot. But if if he starts to think towards the end of the season, I can help Brady and I can help the Patriots, and I'm I'm getting lonely on my couch. Um, he may come back. So <laughs> a, a, a late round flyer. That's what I did two years ago with 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 Gordon. It was it's a late round flyer. This pick probably isn't going to score any points. So if I get the, the the real Gordon come back, or if I get the real Gronk, Gronk come back, it's it's worth the risk. All right, that's an affirmative. I agree with you as well. I think that's a good pick. All right, so here's the final question, and this is for Balky and me, so we can draft well in our Kentucky draft. Correct. Can you give us a player you'll be staying away from in the early rounds this season, as well as a sleeper that you'll be looking to acquire in the mid to later rounds? So um, it, I probably I probably have one of these at each position as regards guys I'm I'm staying away from. I've already mentioned Mahomes. The, oh, the price is too the price is too high there for me. Um, Fournette would be the running back um, last year as well. I, uh, he's got an injury history. He's one dimensional in my opinion. Um, I just I just can't pick him in one of the early early rounds. I'm looking for a running back who can catch the ball as as well in those early rounds. Um, uh, for wide receiver, it'd be AJ Green. I think he's um, he, he was one of my favourite players. Unfortunately, um, time is catching up with him, and and he's he's struggling to stay on the field. And then the the, the tight end is uh, is Ebron. It's I I was never a big fan. He he had a fantastic year, but he had 14, 14 touchdowns last year, and that must be a freak result. That, that there's no way he's repeating that this year. So, and Jack Doyle's healthier as well. So, Ebron, in my opinion, he's he's going uh, a little bit too high for certainly for for the, my strategy out there. So, um, he's one I'd be leaving there as well. As, as regards to sleeper, um, I'm going to go to Pittsburgh. I'm going to say James Washington. He he's going to. Big Ben's going to be throwing the ball somewhere else without Antonio Brown there now, and I always think Big Ben's undervalued. Um, I have a lot of respect for his talent, and there's a lot of targets and catches to be to be distributed in other places. And James Washington certainly showed flashes at times that he could get open and and he could he could make plays. So I'm going to be interested to see to see how well he does this year and and he's the he's the sleeper that i'll i'll mention ahead of the pros and joes and i'll keep the others couple of sleepers <laughs> up my sleeve for next sunday All right. hey, so who is the quarterback again rich I, I i missed it i'm sorry the bust quarterback oh the the, the uh i'm not saying he's gonna bust but i think he'll still be the number one quarterback i just think he's too high patrick mahomes Mahomes, sorry, I got you. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to bust, but just overvalued. I hear you. No, yeah, because you know, you take a quarterback in the third round, it means that you're taking a taking a you're you're running back two, your t- wide receiver two, your your top tight end. You're taking all of those a, a round lower. So it's not just that you're taking him, you know, a, a, a earlier. All of those other picks slip down a round. So to me, for him to go in the third round, um, and especially you know, say Hill is he's is out for a couple of games. That that's a that's a that's very rich value to be taking him there. Well, one guy we know will not be busting out, especially uh, in in pros versus shows, in a bad way, 
is Rich Lane. Rich, thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight. Congrats on, on the Football Guys Championships last year. Good luck in all your leagues this year, especially in Pros versus Joes. We'll watch you draft live on this program coming up nine days from now. I know you want to get started on your prep work. You already have been. And make sure to call in. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and Don't be uh, like the rest of those people who are gonna we're gonna talk crap about them. Yeah. Say they suck. So if you call in, we're like, yeah, Rich, we love you. We've been on the show. Yeah, really, you'll be the favorite, our favorite to win the league. Yeah, and then no Balls will talk up your team and all that. Trust right. me, it's well exactly. worth it. It's, listen, it's it's show business. That's what we do. <laughs> we uh, we we feature our guests and and, sort of. and we and we did a good job of that tonight. Rich, thanks again for hanging out with us. Really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again soon, dude. Thank you very much. Thanks, Eric and Dave. Have a great night. You Thank as you. well, my friend. Rich Lane, ladies and gentlemen, three-time Football Guys Players Championship League winner, 2019 Pros versus Joe's drafter. Check him out in the No Pain League number one on July 21st right on these airwaves. So he's obviously of some English descent or British descent, yeah. and you call him dude. Yeah, he's whatever. Not, he's not a, call everybody dude. He's not a cowboy. Call Asians dudes, he Africans dudes. people. He's a very nice gentleman, and you're yeah. calling him dude. Yeah. Yes, sir. But you're, they knight people in England. Dave, but. I don't know if you know this, but they, uh, dude is a is a form of uh, it, it's a uh, it's a compliment here in the United States. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you ever been to a dude ranch? No, I actually haven't. Well, I, I, I used to either. watch Hey Dude on Nickelodeon. You know, if there was if I opened a gay bar in San Francisco, I think I'd call it the Dude Ranch. <laughs> That's a cool name. Isn't it? There's got to be a gay bar already called the Dude Ranch, <laughs> and there might be one in San Francisco. Let's That's get a cool uh, name for a gay bar. Let Let's get uh. Hey, let's, anyone who wants to take the idea, uh, you go ahead and run with it. Because I won't. Um, <laughs> I'm going to look at this up right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking, all, I can't wait for you to get retarded by all the gay bars. There's a... Uh, there's... Hey, Eric. <laughs> Actually, there's, um, there's, a, there's a bar called the Dude Ranch in Spanaway, Washington. Yeah. I don't know if it's a gay bar or not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there is a Montana gay ranch adventure that you can go on. on there's information on that. Keytravel.com. Oh, that sounds so like check fun. that out and uh, yeah, for you know, for gay people that might actually be fun. Yeah, and then uh, there's a post on uh, newnownext.com travel expert quote: Where can we find a dude ranch that's gay friendly? I, I didn't realize <laughs> that was a there's a market for that, but apparently there what is. That, remember what was that movie? The, the cowboy movie where the Brokeback Mountain? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that people maybe want to replicate it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That was not a. That's not something you want to replicate. Now, is this on the agenda tonight? This, this is not. Let's, let's, let's move on. Let's. Uh, thanks to football guys, Royal and Rob for tonight's <laughs> rundown. I'm so glad to be back on the show. Yeah, I know. So, the, yeah. By the way, you're on the show for one week, and we get into gay dude ranches. <laughs> so this is. You know what I said, dude. This dude. could be cod piece part two. <laughs> yeah, I didn't bring up the cod pie. Well, I'm just saying. Cod pie. 106.7, the fans' Aaron Hawksworth has reported Darius Geis suffered a hamstring injury while he was rehabbing his knee and is questionable for the beginning of training camp. Now, if you remember, Geis was actually already questionable for the start of camp because he tore his ACL in the preseason last year. And if you listen to the show ever, you wouldn't own any pieces of Darius Geis, so you're actually just laughing right now at all the other people who own him. The fans, I own, I own one dynasty share of him, unfortunately. What? Yeah, I okay. took him at the 102 last year before he tore his ACL, obviously. Uh, the fans, Craig Hoffman, actually uh, said that the injury happened, quote, a few weeks ago. We don't know how severe it is, but even if it is not severe, this is a guy who needs to get on the field because he basically missed everything last year. He missed most of the offseason this year. And if you look at where he's going right now in FFPC best ball, Dave, this is not a player that's about to drop. I want to be in business with. Precipitously. 605 is where he's he was going before. Like eighth or ninth. He has gone as late as the 903, which I'm assuming happened probably last night. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, today or tonight. Yeah, uh, I listen. I, I was not targeting this guy. In fact, I've been trying to trade Darius Geis, the, the sh one share I've had of him. I was just waiting for some positive news to come out. Actually, we're going to get into Cortland Sutton in a little bit, and I'll, I had a similar approach to that. I was just waiting for some positive news to come out so I can trade Geist for something. I just want him off my team at this point. He will not be on any of my redraft teams this year. I assume you are of the same belief. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, I'm kind of high on Adrian Peterson, to, you know, which is so weird to say. But, you know, I know he was going, been going really late. But now you have to kind of leap him up about four rounds. So if he was going in the 16th, now he's the 12th or whatever. You know, where is he at? 14.06. So maybe like was on average. Last night, I'm assuming, 10.04. There you go. Yeah. About four rounds. There you yep. go. That makes sense. So good call on that. Uh, I'm on board with that, too. You need a starting running back in the 10th round. I don't care how bad he is. Uh, I want to – There's a chance you – know, I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah. There's a chance that Geist comes back and is effective. It's just such a 
because you have to thread that needle. It's just it's such a narrow. Well, and he hasn't done anything. He's been, the thing with him, he was like the Mixon, right? You know, Mixon was so hyped up by all these people. This uh, season or last season? Last, you know, it, ever since, since forever, right? There were just the Geist people and the Mixon people. Yeah. Right? And I was never one of either. But I'm kind of a little bit coming around on Mixon. I, I kind of get it. I still don't end up taking him because usually there's somebody who just loves Mixon. And they say, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of Mixon. Yeah, Mixon lovers, yeah. yeah. But guys I never could get on board with. I, he's not a pass-catching back. No. Never liked him. Didn't get on board at the 102 and still don't. So I just, I don't know, I just, I can't. I think you just have to put him out to pasture and let's let him go. I and mean, there's a chance when he comes back. I mean, there's a chance. We he's haven't, just been sold. He just hasn't done nothing positive. We haven't talked about this. You remember when he was going through the pre-draft process, there were questions about his mental um, stability? Right, yeah. And, and he, was, you know, he was really gangster and whatnot. Yeah, and I, don't, I think that, that is a little bit overblown. However, Dave, where does he rate on the flake scale? <laughs> because I think he's on there somewhere. You know, I wouldn't give him a very high flake rating because right? – yeah, I, I, I actually feel Blake rating. This is great. I, I actually feel kind of bad for him because I mean he had a really troubled childhood. Mm-hmm. He, I mean he's a really hardworking player. He seems like actually a good person. He, Waited his turn at LSU behind four. Yeah, I, yep. I, I actually I, I actually like Darius Geis as a person, so that's it's kind of sad. I'd like him to do well. Right. I actually give him a pretty low flake rating. I think he's okay. All right. So all right, but he's but he's on the uh, like spectrum. Four or five. He's on the spectrum. Yeah, one through five. He's huh. like four or five. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, but that said, you and I are not targeting him. No, but I, you know, I, I wish him the best in general. Me too. I feel I feel a little bad, like I was, you know, bashing so much. That's okay. Let's talk about a guy you like. Tom Pelissero on Twitter has said. Uh, I don't like Tom Pelissero. Uh, why wouldn't you like him? Former Packers beat writer. <laughs> I don't really know. Uh, he has reported that the NFL has suspended Jets tight end Chris Herndon for four games for violating the league's substance abuse policy. Uh, policy. Now we and Herndon knew that he would be suspended after he got a DUI arrest last June. Um, but I, I'm a little bit surprised that it was four games and not two or, or even one. The Jets have a bye week in week four this year, so the earliest Chris Herndon will be able to help your team this year in your lineup is week six against the Cowboys. Uh, the backups for the tight ends in New York are Daniel Brown and Trevon Wesco, not interested, and see above. Are they even in the player pool? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, Herndon had four touchdowns last year. It was the most among rookie tight ends. He says he's going to appeal the suspension. Maybe he gets it down to two or three. But Dave, if you're drafting right now, and I can tell you Herndon is actually going, on average, this is pre-suspension, even though we knew the suspension was coming, in the 10th round. I think I'd still get in business with Herndon there, even with the suspension. Yeah, I agree. And actually, this is, the, the bye week kind of works out well for him. Because, you know, we've been through this so many times, right, where they're like, oh, Hearn is coming off suspension. Oh, and he has the whole bye week to get ready. You know, he's back practicing with the team and da-da-da-da-da. And I think, you know, when you hear the – when I, I read the news story about it, I think there's a chance it gets reduced to two, maybe not. Because this, I think it was a 70-year-old woman got hurt. Um, he was – apparently he was going 100 miles an hour, which is really obviously stupid. Uh, but he has, he, his uh, blood alcohol was a .14. It's not like, you know, hey, Rob, it's not like you, buddy. <laughs> no, all right, don't, come on. Uh, you know, Rob likes to drink once in a while. So it's yeah, not like we Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't like to drive. But, hey, Herndon, you don't, you don't have right. to drive. That's right. So I think there's a chance it gets reduced. Um, but even if it doesn't, I, I love Herndon. I think he's such a, such a talent. The question is now, would you take him, if you're looking at the hype, the second-year hype guys, do you take him first or do you take Mark Andrews first? Because Andrews has been getting Climbing. all sorts of positive news. Yeah. And actually, I saw a recent draft, I think it was either today or yesterday, where Andrews went ahead of Herndon, actually. Wouldn't surprise me. He's going at the 1101, which is just, you know, it's basically a round behind Andrews. But he's gone as high, Dave, as the 603. A little bit too aggressive for my standards. Mark Andrews. A little bit too aggressive for my standards. But I get it um, with, uh, with what's going on in Baltimore. I was just happy. Let me brag. Carrington, I got Mark Andrews at the 311 in the rookie draft. Who were you tight end in that? Because you had Gronk, right? Gronk, Gronk and Eifert and Johnny Smith. I mean, he was oh, okay. So Andrews is okay. Nice work. Yeah, yeah. he's now my number one. That helps. Um, hey, if you want an OJ Howard in that league, you let me know. <laughs> I, I, I would uh, love to swing something with you. Um, did you know, audio engineer Bryce told me this. The if you are a member of the Tavern League of Wisconsin, the bars in in uh, in the state, if you are a member there, um, and and you're a patron drinking at an establishment that's a member of the Tavern League of Wisconsin, you can get a free taxi home. If they're if they're the bar or the tavern pays for it, I guess. 
Really? Yeah. So, so, wait, like, so wait, if the if, if the, the bar is a member of the Tavern League of Wisconsin, which most bars are, mm-hmm. you can say like, "Hey, I'm smashed. I don't want to drive home." They will call you a cab, and, and they will pay and, for and it. And you don't have to pay for they it. They have to. Yeah. Or they. Yep. They do. Nice. Yeah. Pretty awesome. That's why. That's why pot will get legalized. We're gonna be like the 48th state after like you know Utah will be after us, right? And maybe Hawaii. Yeah. Oh, Hawaii will be before. The Tavern right League is like is like as powerful as. Uh, oh, they're like the tribes with uh, with yeah, sports, really, yeah, sports gaming, tribal gaming. They're yeah. you know, like the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, probably like as far as healthcare goes. Uh, Tom Pelissero on Twitter also reported that Melvin Gordon's agent said there's a quote strong possibility that he will hold out into the season unless he gets a new contract or trade to a new team. Adam Schefter previously had said that Gordon is going to skip training camp and demand a trade if he does not get the said new deal. Uh, Gordon's agent also said, look, there's a long way to go until before week one. We hope to get something work out. Gordon is scheduled to earn $5.6 million in the final year of his rookie contract. I don't want to get into the whole aspect of should he get paid or not because I think it's clear that if these other players uh, that were drafted at the same time as him that are in the same neighborhood as far as stats goes, I think Gordon has earned it. He deserves it. I don't know if he'll get it. What are you doing with him in drafts right now? How far are you knocking him down? I wouldn't knock him down hardly at all. Now, here's the thing, Dave. I wouldn't either if this were 2018. <laughs> the Le'Veon Bell thing scares me. Le'Veon Bell said he was going to report. He told the teammates. He told his pre- uh, the press. Uh, he told everybody, look, I'll be there. I'll be there. And he wasn't there all season. Melvin Gordon is saying right now, I'm not going to be there. So, I, I, like, it gives me pretty big pause to, yeah, to, to cool. draft him. I, I got gotcha. you. I mean, keep in mind – Back to the flakes, you know, Le'Veon Bell, he's kind of high up there. He's going you know, to smoke pot. He's had some issues. You know, he's a little bit – he's a little weird dude. Melvin Gordon's kind of normal. It seems like he's pretty normal to me. So, I don't think that, you know, Gordon's agent's like, hey, 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 man, let's play hardball with him. We're going to tell him we're going to do all this stuff. And then right. Gordon's like, uh, okay, Arliss, so, yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll, Arliss. We'll do that. And then and then it'll get to, like, mid-August. And I, I actually think that – I think they have a pretty good shot of getting a deal done. I, I really do think they have a – there's a lot of time to go. And by the way, real quick, if I was Farrell, you know, if Farrell, the Farrell Elliott, KSC commissioner, every time, an NFL player agent, yeah. Every, every time that something like this happens, I would always just email like Melvin Gordon and be like, oh, dude, you should fire him. I could do a way yeah. better job than you. I would, like, every time. Yeah. Just well, set it up. You know what Farrell would do? He would not do that. He would email him and just, you know, shoot the bull with them. Yeah, he'd be like, hey, you know, if you want to talk about this, I mean... I'm no, he wouldn't even say that. But he should. That's no, his, his signature, he would list his phone number and his email, and that's he'd leave it at that. And, and, and he's like, you know, if you're not doing anything because you're holding out, uh, we do have openings in the in the main event here at Kentucky. And, oh, yeah, and, yeah, that he might do. That, that's <laughs> entirely possible. Come play with us. Um, what about Eckler, Justin Jackson? You uh, moving those guys up on your boards? No, or, not okay. really. Okay. I mean, I would take Ackler just, I, but I never seem to do I, that. I mean, I would, I like both those guys regardless of this Gordon thing or not. And I'm just curious if you were moving them up at all, because now I guess I don't like him as much because there are teams that are moving him up there or drafters moving him up their draft board to a spot. I don't know if I'm completely comfortable taking them. Well, I mean, the problem with both of those players is that they have the other person to deal with, right? So, I mean, I feel like where Eckler yeah. and Justin Jackson get drafted, there's other players that don't quite have that issue to go with. Like, where's Eckler? What's his average? Like? I can tell you right now, Dave, according to FFPC best ball ADP data over the last uh, seven days, Austin Eckler is going at the 1004. I think All I right, said so that earlier in the broadcast. So where's Jalen Samuels going? Jalen Samuels later, right? is going currently on average at the 1001. Right, so he's so actually going before Eckler. All right, by three picks. But I mean, yeah. about the same spot. So right. I, mean, I would much rather have Jalen Samuels because he's the clear backup and he's supposed to still have a role. And then you still have, you know, you still have uh, Chris Thompson to deal with. And yep. He now has the Geist news, so he might move up a tad. No. Um, you know, Deion Lewis and other you know other guys who actually have a role already. Just drafted Deion Lewis in the Scott Fish Bowl. Oh, good to see you. What about the guy going right ahead, Jalen Samuels, Damian Harris in New England? Yeah, he has. A, I mean, he has the bonus upside that Michelle's knee is all that is not to be talked about yeah. because New England, you know, doesn't put any information out. Yeah. I think Harris could be interesting. Yeah. What about Jarek McKinnon? He's going right before them. I'm not really that interested in McKinnon. There's like five. There's like a four horse. Would you rather take Eckler on. over McKinnon? I think I would. Actually, okay. Yeah. All right. We'll leave it at that. 
Uh, all right, last thing I want to bring up, speaking of Jarek McKinnon, his quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, says he's, quote, good to go for the start of training camp. He does not expect to be placed on the uh, uh, active or, uh, excuse me, the active pup list. This is according to Pro Football Talk on NBCSports.com. One thing, he's going to be back for training camp. After he, he, says he says he's good to go for the start of training camp. Yeah. He's, he's been coming back from a two-week uh, dude ranch trip in Montana, actually. No comment. <laughs> quote, the rehab process has gone really well. Knock on wood, we haven't had any setbacks. Garoppolo actually participated in individual work in the spring workouts. And uh, George Kittle, Dante Pettis at his disposal that, that he'll be able to hit uh, on the offense this year in Kyle Shanahan's offense. I think if you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, um, you know, I, I guess this news doesn't – I mean, I kind of liked him before. Um, and uh, maybe I like him a little bit better now. I guess it's more of a commentary on those San Francisco uh, skill position guys. Um, that maybe you bump them up a little bit now, knowing that uh, that Garoppolo, it, it seems like it's all systems go for Pettis, Samuel, Marquise Goodwin, George Kittle. Yeah, I would say so. I, Do you um, like any of those Niners pass catchers? Do you have a favorite among those guys? I mean, besides Kittle, who's going super high, I, I don't really know if we have really. a good handle. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, as a player, I'm not a big Dante Pettis fan. I know he goes. I never was either, but it yeah. seems like he's going first. I'm still not. I mean, part of, he, he did not have a high phenom score coming out of college. Did not have amazing he – wasn't, he wasn't like a great route runner or anything like that. He, wasn't a, he didn't have amazing film. Um, and I, and I, I don't think he blew up the combine or anything like that. So, I mean, I don't know, I don't know why would I like Dante Pettis. I don't really I – I guess I don't get it. I mean, he's also an undersized receiver, right. which there's nothing wrong with if you run a 4-3-40. But I'm assuming he doesn't run a 4-3-40. So, I mean, I don't know. I, just don't, I, don't, I, don't, I guess I don't get the attraction. I know. I'm with it. I totally – now, I'm grinning from ear to ear, Dave, because I just looked at the few receivers that are going right after Dante Pettis and drafts, and I think this is going to be a fun would-you-rather. All right. This is going to be so putting, heard that guy, put, No, they're not. Oh, okay. That's putting you, right. putting okay. you through the meat grinder on this one. Okay. This is the fingernails on the chalkboard edition <laughs> of Would You Rather. Corey Davis. Corey Davis <laughs> is the first one. Would you rather have Dante Pettis or Corey Davis? I'll take Corey Davis. Would you rather have Dante Pettis or Will Fuller? Uh, I'll take Pettis, actually. But you know what? I would take Kiki QT over both. Uh, don't. Just let me hire We'll get there. Point. We'll get there. Dante Pettis <laughs> or Cortland Sutton. I'll take Sutton, actually. I, think so. I, don't, I don't love Sutton, but I think he's got the upside of a breakup. He's actually going a round and a half after Dante Pettis. Wow. Well, Dante Pettis or Kiki QT? I actually I think QT is a big value. I really do. Okay. This is okay. This now we get a little interesting. He, he, now, he, now, he only played six games, but in those six games, he was actually out, pretty outstanding. You will not have to make a decision on this, but this is just for my own personal benefit because these guys are going so far after Dante Pettis. But this is a fun little exercise for me to find out how much you hate Dante Pettis. Dante Pettis or Marvin Jones? Um, man, that's so tough. I don't know. I I, I guess Pettis. I agree. Detroit's not going to throw the ball. Dante Pettis or we'll throw it a little bit. A little bit, yes. And that's great for the number two receiver there. Dante Pettis or Sterling Shepard. I, I keep feeling like Golden State is back in Detroit, and I wish he was. But anyway, Sterling Shepard, I can't stand him. I'm taking Pettis. Dante Pettis or Golden Tate? Tate. I'll take Tate, actually. Dante Pettis or Larry Fitzgerald? Fitz. Dante Pettis or Curtis Samuel? You know, it's weird. I'm going to take Samuel. I never get Samuel at many drafts. I, just, I don't think, I think, I think it's impossible. Here's the cutoff. Dante Pettis or D.D. Westbrook? Um, you got to be kidding me. I'll take Pettis. Okay, there we go. Uh, you know, Westbrook is going three full rounds after well, Pettis. The thing is, Westbrook, and I, and I don't normally draft him. I actually like DJ Chark way, 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 way later. But, I, you know, Westbrook is a third-year kind of semi-breakout candidate. You know, everyone likes, looks for those second-year breakouts. And Rotovis had a nice article about third-year breakouts, and they, and they did specifically mention D.D. Westbrook. And another guy who I really I, – we don't talk about much, but I like as well is Zay Jones. is super cheap. He's going super late. And he didn't have a terrible second year, and Josh Allen's going to get better. Everyone wants to take Robert Foster and, and whatnot, but I mean, Zay Jones is—you know—he was a highly drafted player, and he improved his second year. Why? Why can't he break out his third year? I mean, and where you're drafting him, he's well, John like, Brown's there too. Super. You didn't mention him. No, I know John Brown is there, but I mean, John Brown. I mean, guys had sickle cell. He'll be there for five games. He's a colossal <laughs> bust. I mean, he's a colossal bust every year, everywhere he goes. I mean, except for that one year. Yeah, right. The one year that's right. like one, that was when Josh Gordon had a good year last, like yeah. 2014. Maybe it was later, but I mean, yeah. I'm saying the one good year you're always praying on. And if it's four years later, well, you know, shit. Maybe that was the one year year was the flu, not the everything else. Beware the career year, as they always say. All right, I want to get to two emails here before we call it quits tonight. The first one is from this is probably be a quick one actually. Um, Fred, 
No. This one's from Nate. Fred Appleton? Nope. Nate in Aurora, Colorado. Hey, guys, any preference between Jeff Hireman and Noah Fant for FFPC leagues in 2019? Redraft only, please. Thank you for the email, Nate in Aurora, Colorado. Dave, in best ball drafts, Jeff Hireman, 2608. He's basically free. I mean, you, but he could be the starting tight end that you get in the 26th round. Sure. And then Noah Fant is actually going all the way up at the 1306. Consider the draft value for each of those guys. You on board with either one? If I can only pick one, I would actually pick the higher man guy who I can't even pronounce. Who's the lower man in this case? Yeah, the lower man. Yeah. Um, you know, I, if you're going to take Fant, why don't you take the higher man or humor man or whatever right. in the 24th round? Would you do that as, early. as your as your second and fourth tight ends? No, I would, not, I would not take. I don't. I don't believe in Fant as a rookie tight end. I don't think he's going to break. But as a backup, as backup tight end. No. Okay. I mean, I mean nothing – again, I, there's other players I kind of like in that same range. Um, Hawkinson goes around there. Andrews has gone around there. Maybe I'm, maybe they're going early. Well, I, 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 Hawkinson goes right before Fant. Well, um, I prefer Hawkinson. He's the guaranteed number one starter. Here, I'll, I'll name the – In the more, more well-rounded overall run, uh, tight end. I'll name the four guys after sure. – yeah, tight end going after Fant. Jimmy Graham probably. No. Would you rather have Noah Fant or Mike Kosicki? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess. I guess. Just sick of you, yeah. I would probably go Fant, but it's close. It is close, yeah. No Fant or Darren Waller, who's actually been talked up by the coaching staff. I don't know. I guess Waller. But, okay. I mean, again, barely. All right. I, I'd probably go Fant. No Fant or Tyler Eifert? Um, Eifert. I agree. No Fant or Jason Witten? <laughs> Witten, for sure. Yeah, all right. Okay. <laughs> all right, last email. Uh, this is a fun one, Dave. This one's from Fred, I believe. Fred in Avon, Connecticut. Bob McManaman from the Arizona Republic said, Hakeem Butler might be the breakout wide receiver this year for the Cardinals. Because Bob McManaman (laughs) from the Arizona Republic said, Hakeem Butler, do you hear Hakeem Butler in your ears perked up? up? Yes, sir. Might might be the breakout wide receiver this year for the Cardinals because of his measurables and off-season work with Calvin Johnson. Are you guys still on the Isabella bandwagon? Long-time listener, Fred in Avon, Connecticut. Thank you for the email. Fred... All right, Dave. Uh, yes. Hakeem Butler being talked up by a Cardinals beat writer did not mention Isabella. Your thoughts on this as far as redraft goes? There was a different Cardinal, Cardinals beat writer who talked up. He, he was predicting the starting starters for Arizona. And at receiver, he predicted uh, Isabella Fitz and, uh, and obviously Christian, Christian Kirk. Kirk. Uh, he then mentioned two other players whose names escaped me. Did not mention oh, Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah, yeah, maybe, and then some other, you know, loser, whatever. Uh, Chad Williams, maybe. No, it was somebody. It was somebody else. Yeah, it's Chad Williams. How the mighty have fallen. Some Burton is there a Burton on the? I don't know. Keenan Keenan Burton. I don't, I don't even know if that's it. But he didn't even mention Butler. So he in, inferred that Butler might be wide receiver six Yikes. on that team. He said he's very raw. Now, granted, it's you know he obviously is pretty he is raw, but uh, I mean, let me just I'm trying to find it too. Okay. Oh, you're looking up uh, the beat writer. I'm looking up, uh, yeah. He, he said Damier Bird, actually. Was oh, Damier Bird? Damier Bird. Or yeah. whatever, yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, let's just say Butler is the number four. Well, Harold Cooper and Kevin White are there, too, remember. So, I mean, so, first of all, Fitz is going to get a lot of looks in the slot. That's just where they put him. He's the number one alpha guy there. Right. <laughs> and uh, Just have him and Scott Fishbowl, too. And, and Christian Kirk, nice. And Christian Kirk is playing outside, even though he's actually, you know, it's funny, this team has, like, three slot receivers and Hakeem Butler. Uh, right. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, the best three receivers are going to be on the field. I mean, and Isabella, even though he's short and super fast, he does have – he's the same dimensions as Brandon Cooks, the same speed too. And Cooks plays outside. I think the team can play him inside or outside. I think he's fine. Um, I love Isabella. I think Isabella – I mean, as I've said before – For redraft. Yes, for redraft. Yeah. I think he's going to be good this year as a rookie. I mean, I think he has a chance to, to get in the neighborhood of Sammy Watkins' rookie year, which is a really good year. It was like 900 yards and five touchdowns or something like that. I mean, I think overall, Isabella, I mean, I know I've talked about the ton, but I think Isabella has a chance to be like a superstar player, a superstar. I really do think so. Um, on the uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship podcast, Farrell Elliott was talking about Andy Isabella, and you know what his deciding factor was before he clicked select uh-huh. on Isabella in one of his drafts? No. He said, well, Dave Gerzak likes him, <laughs> so boom, I'm taking him. So, well, that's cool. I, yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. Um, Okay, so Isabella seventeen oh eight, Hockey Butler twenty five oh eight. So like Isabella's draft value yeah. better. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Isabella you could take 
three rounds earlier and you'll still be fine. I, I can't I mean even with the support, I can't conceivably in a, even in a twenty eight round draft find a spot on my roster for a guy who ostensibly could be the fifth wide receiver option for Arizona, much less pass catching option option. If you grab if you draft Fitz and Kirk or Fitz and Isabella, then you could take Hakeem Butler as like a backup like, you know, insurance policy. That's not bad. Right. Okay, fair enough. Uh, that is going to do it for our show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I want to wish a very special couple of happy birthdays. Former uh, um, show guest, he's been on the road of his high stakes load on one, our good buddy, Kirk Kikis, celebrating a birthday today. Happy birthday, Kirk. How old is he? Uh, I don't know. 29, 30, somewhere around there. You know, screw him. He's retired. He goes, he just gallivants around all the time. And once in a while, he'll call me like, oh, oh yeah, how's it going? Good. Oh, yeah, I said a $100 bottle of wine. Like, good for you, <laughs> he doesn't do that. Come oh, on. yes, he does. Um, and then another, good for him, though. I'm glad he's enjoying success in life. Another happy birthday goes out to a guy who's getting a guest on the show and the road of his high stakes slowdown. 2011 Kentucky champ Justin McCord celebrating a birthday today. All right. So two of the better high stakes players out there uh, celebrating birthdays today. Congratulations, guys. Uh, thanks to Rich Lane, Dave, the FFPC, Rob Bryson, of course, each and every one of you. Now, next week, no show Friday, we'll be doing a show on Wednesday. That's right, Wednesday, 10-9 Central, uh, with uh, three-time FPC league champ and pros versus Joe's entrant, Michael Edelman, joining the program next week. Excited about this. Tried to get him on for, for a while now, and he's going to be coming on on Wednesday. So looking forward to that. Dave, are you going to be uh, co-hosting that show with me? What is this? Wednesday, 10-9 Central. I guess if I have to. Yeah, you have to. All right, I'm in. All right, perfect. Uh, check out those Maiden Dynasties and 2019 Best Ball Leagues at myfpc.com. And remember, make sure you're getting your main event draft spot early. Ten days to square that away. And uh, just uh, uh, my own personal thing, six spots left in the Midnight Draft, which I'm commissioning. It starts here in, uh, what, about an hour or so? We can fill this up, guys. Let's make it happen. Thank you so much for listening, and of course, your weekend starts This has now. been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. We're on the team floor, even more so if we on tour. Me and E explore the country, wondering about the evening before. Trying to explain where the time went. Well, other rappers find a studio to grind in. Yeah, Two Packer actually pointed out in the chat. Uh, Friday, we can't do a show because they'll be at Rock USA. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. Two Packer <laughs> will be there as well. Um, Where's my Are you guys getting VIP? Yeah, of course. Who's, can I get? I might, maybe I'll go this year. Um, yeah, you say a, that every year. I know, but this year it might work. Um, my wife's going to be in. Uh, she might be in Dork. <laughs> when's well, the, when's that this is a problem. It's it's next Friday, uh, next Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Five Finger Death Punch on Thursday, Rob Zombie on Friday, Disturbed on Saturday. You can also hear from Breaking Benjamin, Marilyn Manson. Uh, extras in multiple Manson uh, Friday night, right before Rob Zombie. All right, you know we'll we'll talk about this. Bring, bring your devil horns. Friday and Saturday, but Thursday I'm free. I just was watching uh, um, whatever the hell they are. Been caught stealing. Jane's Addiction. Yeah, Jane's Addiction was on audience tonight. It was great. Oh, I've seen that one before. Yeah, yeah, it's it good. Really cool. With uh, Perry Farrell is is giving the interview and everything. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that is that is good. Okay, sorry for that, but that's where it'll be next Friday. <laughs> if you're in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, uh, come you find us. It'll, Wednesday, it'll be fun. Wednesday, Wednesday the show. Yes. All right, cool. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.